Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Vicki Ellingrod. I am a professor of pharmacy and the Senior Associate Dean at the University of Michigan College of Pharmacy. I also have the privilege of serving as a scientific editor for pharmacotherapy. Today we're talking with Kellen Moran, a PhD candidate in the Department of Pharmacy Systems, Outcomes and Policy at the University of Illinois in Chicago. Ms. Moran and her colleagues have original research published in the September issue of Pharmacotherapy titled Risk of Fall-Related Injury and All-Cause Hospitalization of Select Concomitant Central Nervous System Medication Prescribing in Older Adult Persistent Opioid Users. Ms. Moran's co-authors are Gregory Kalip, Todd Lee, Michael Kornowski, Dennis Lau, and Glenn Schumach. Kellen, thank you for your submission to pharmacotherapy, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us, in your own words, why this research is so important? Yeah, absolutely. In my mind, there's a few reasons. I think that we all know that combinations of CNS medications have the potential to lead to adverse events. And we certainly know that this is a important concern in the in geriatric medicine and in the treatment of older adults. We know this from pre- previous research demonstrating it. However, in this study, we aim to look at a specific subpopulation of older adults, particularly those that are persistent opioid have a history of persistent opioid use. So these are a, a population of patients that have very complex clinical management and medication management when it comes to combinations, uh, combination therapy can be challenging. So from one aspect, this research is important because it looks at this particular subset of patients and tries to quantify the risk of a very important outcome, fall-related injury in this group. And we know that fall-related injury is associated with very significant clinical and economic adverse outcomes for this population. Our overall aim was to to not just look at the the straight association between combinations and a specific event, but to dive in a little bit deeper and look at the specific combinations and sequencing of CNS medications as they relate to this outcome. So that was one thing that was novel about our approach. And lastly, I think this research was important because a lot of observational research looking at fall-related injury suffers from certain biases in terms of the methodology. There there can be a a suffering of confounding by indication, which our methodology and our approach using a case-only design tried to circumvent some of those limitations of previous research studies. So for those reasons, I think that this research adds to the literature. So can you tell us what were some of the overall outcomes of the research that you presented in this in this paper? Absolutely. So our main objective was to look at the effect of specifically combinations of opioids, sedative hypnotics that largely include sed- uh, benzodiazepines and Z-hypnotics, um, as well as skeletal muscle relaxants. So our main finding was that the joint effect of combinations that included skeletal muscle relaxants, so specifically an opioid and a skeletal muscle muscle relaxant or a sedative hypnotic and a skeletal muscle relaxant, 
was associated with an increased risk of fall-related injury. We also found that additional exposure to skeletal muscle relaxants, so I'm talking specifically about the addition of that medication class to existing regimens that include opioids was associated with an increased risk of fall-related injury, as well as switches from opioids or sedative hypnotics to skeletal muscle relaxants. Older populations are really challenging to study. There's a lot going on in terms of uh, pharmacotherapy, and, and you've already touched on some of the design that you included in this study that allowed you to, to get at kind of the sequencing of, of when medications mm-hmm. were started or, or stopped. I also think that one of the strengths of, of this research and something that listeners to this podcast might be re- interested in, uh, in learning about was the use of pre-existing data. And the data set, just the number of subjects that you looked at was, you know, over a hundred 140,000 different individuals. Can you tell us a little bit about more about the data set and, and maybe some of the challenges that you faced in doing this analysis? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, we used a large administrative claims data source for this research. So it's billing data. Um, it's a large subset of de-identified person-level demographic, as well as longitudinal medical and prescription claims. Um, And we were specifically looking at the older adult population. So this data set included these longitudinal claims for Medicare-eligible retirees that had an employer-sponsored Medicare supplement. So in terms of generalizability, this data set includes Medicare-eligible patients that have a commercial component, um, and it's largely fee-for-service data. But this large data set gives us the opportunity to do these observational studies on outcomes that could be particularly rare because we can gather such a large sample. And we have person-level data. So the data source, the claims are you know, fully adjudicated and paid and therefore can reflect the real-world treatment patterns um, that are occurring over time. Are there some limitations? to using such a large data set? Because it it sounds like an amazing data set that you would, I can think of so many questions that I would love to to answer using a data set like that. Yeah, there certainly are limitations. I think that the biggest challenge is that the data is built for billing purposes, not necessarily for research purposes. So it's always important to consider what might be missing based on what would not come through a claim, um, an insurance claim. And then secondly, there are some populations that this data source does not necessarily generalize to. So as I mentioned, this is largely fee-for-service data, and it's not capturing patients who are enrolled in Medicare under more of a capitated type plan. So there, it isn't generalizable to the entire Medicare population. Um, mostly just a subset. So that's important to consider when thinking about the results of the study. That's that's really interesting. I mean, I think that especially clinicians working in the care of older uh, individuals, um, you know, they, they often see a very diverse group of patients. And so understanding some of those limitations 
um, I think are, are really important. But if, if you were sitting down and having a conversation with someone who on the day to day was practicing um, in the field of geriatrics, what key points do you think would be really important for them to understand about this research? Yeah, I think that, as I mentioned, the key takeaway was that we saw associations between skeletal muscle relaxants and fall-related injury, and that this was occurring in, a, in our studied population, which was a population with a history of, of long-term opioid use. So I think the main takeaway is that skeletal muscle relaxants might deserve additional attention in terms of their relationship in these CNS combinations as it relates to adverse outcomes. I think we're all familiar with the American Geriatric Society Beers criteria, which recommends caution for combining different medications. And I think that additional um, consideration and study of the role of, of skeletal muscle relaxants in that um, space is important. The other thing to note is that what we observed was that the association between some of these combinations and the outcome was lower than what has been demonstrated in some other research. And I think that um, our hypothesis is that might be related to the fact that this is a population that has already had a significant amount of utilization of CNS drugs. They're they're, they have a history of persistent opioid use. So could that translate to having you know higher higher history of burden of CNS uh, medication use and therefore tolerance? Um, I think it's an important thing to to think about it and study more. We should still continue to consider mitigation strategies and uh, monitor for risk of adverse events in this population. Uh, however, the lower effect that we saw in this group versus the general older adult population was an interesting finding. That is actually really interesting. I know that you're currently uh, in your PhD program uh, and that you have many more years of research ahead of you. So what do you think might be uh, the next step in this line of research for you on this topic? Yeah, I think that there's a, a lot more that can be done in terms of um, digging deeper into the relationship between, as I mentioned, skeletal muscle relaxants and these adverse outcomes, but also just in the field of understanding medication combination as they relate to safety. There, one, as I mentioned at the beginning, one of the, the novel things about this research was the methodology and the attempt to look at specific combinations and sequencing. I would hope that we can continue down a path of trying to understand the relationship between more longitudinal patterns of medication combination as they relate to outcomes. So employing methodologies that look at trends um, and patterns as they relate to events occurring um, in this population. I think that by looking at more of the nuances, um, we can it can help to possibly uncover improvements in methods of you know mitigation risk management. Wow, that's that's really, really important research, especially as our uh, you know American populace continues to age. So I, I think that you definitely have a, a bright future and a uh, really outstanding research career uh, ahead of you. I want to thank you for your contribution to pharmacotherapy and for taking time to chat with me today. As a reminder to our listeners, 
Uh, this article can be found in the September 2020 issue, 2021 issue of Pharmacotherapy. And thank you for listening today. And again, Ms. Moran, thank you so much for being with us and, and doing this outstanding research. Thank you for inviting me. It was my pleasure.